You're listening to the podcast of Rain City Church. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. 11 o'clock's more awake than 9.30. Turns out you get more sleep, maybe? I don't know. If you got kids like me, you're up the same time every morning. It doesn't matter. You're always up at Amen. Yeah, you're always up at 6. It don't matter what time they go to bed. Um, or if they don't sleep at all, it's still 6. This was not a part of my message. And it's probably why it's part of my message. Okay, you're tracking. Good. Um, that video just shows a bunch of our little emblems, and they kind of make up who our church is now at this point. If you would ask anybody on staff uh, at this point at Rain City Church, we would all agree that this is the most exciting point we've ever been at as a church. And the reason why I say that is because we actually know where we're going. <laughs> we actually know, we actually feel like we, we are really bought in and really aligned where we feel like God is calling us as a church, and that's a really excited place to be in. We're no longer in the startup phase of, are we going to make it another Sunday? Can we pay payroll? Are they going to come? Seahawks are playing at 10. Should we even have church? Seahawks played at 10. Y'all are here. So that's amazing. Love it. DVR is great. Don't check that app. Don't, hey, I won't. I, I'm a God-loving person. I won't tell you about the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> But in September, we started a new series. We called it Lead with Love, and we kind of launched where are we going as a church? What does it look like? And the biggest thing that we launched was this idea of spiritual practices, and that as a church, we were going to commit to um, spiritual practices throughout every year. And so we would focus on one for two months at a time. And so right now, we are in what we are calling enlightenment. And so we are going through a book of the Bible together as a church. We're in the book of Acts. And it's awesome because when I say that we are going through it as a church, we actually mean that. And so our kids and our youth and our young adults and everybody else, we're all going through the book of Acts together through a reading plan, through our Sunday gatherings, through our small group gatherings. We are all going through it together, and it's really awesome. It's been great just for kids to come out of Sunday and talk to the adults what they learned when they're learning the same things. Um, pretty powerful. And it's all moving towards what we are moving towards as a church, which is experience God in the everyday. And so we're trying to help you do that. And so if you haven't joined with us on the reading plan of Acts yet, you can find that in your app um, and just click on resources and then you can um, follow us. There's steps right behind me. And if you've missed, you know, if today would be the first day, that's totally okay. You can join with us today. Um, you're going to get kind of caught up by my message today. You'll get a Sparks Notes version, so you're welcome. And then also, um, you know, if you have been doing it but you've fallen behind like me, you can just click the button that says catch me up and you just it looks like you're an amazing person and it just gets you to the top when you're right with everybody else. So, um, you know, it's not super rigid. We just would love for you to, every day to try to be in the Word with us. Um, why are we starting with Acts? So we chose Acts because we, you know, as a church, we're like, well, where are we going? We figured it out. And then we're like, okay, if we know where we're going to go for the next three years, let's look back at how the church all started. Because we really feel like as a staff and as an elder team and as leaders here at the church that the church now, and I'm not just talking Rain City, I'm talking the church as a whole, looks very different from the way the church started in Acts. And so that's why we're calling it unchurch, the movement. 
And we chose movement because we feel like a lot of times when we think about the church, we think about the church as a monument, right? Jesse last week talked a lot about what is a monument. And I think sometimes when we talk about the church, we talk in it in regards to the, a monument or a building or a thing or, or a structure and, um, or a steeple. But really, if we look back at how the church started in Acts, what we've been looking at together as a church, is that it actually started more as a movement and not as a monument. And so we want to be a church that is more of a movement and less of a monument. How do we do that? Well, we have to look at information, right? And so the big thing that we want you to land on today is that we, want, we don't want to just read the Bible for information's sake, but we want to read the Bible for transformation's sake. Information means nothing if it doesn't change the way you live, right? And so we hope that today, when we read Acts together, that it would actually change the way we live. Just to catch you up really quick on what we've been going through as a church, um, your, your quick version here. Um, we got chapter one, Christ appears. So Jesus Christ, he had died on the cross. He rose again. Then he appeared to his disciples. He had holes still in his hands. They're like, there's no way you're real. He is. Then he hangs out with them for a few chapters. And then he ascends into heaven. He tells them, you want me to leave? I promise me you, you want me to leave because the Holy Spirit is coming and he is so much better than even I am. Holy Spirit comes down in chapter 2. In um, the middle of chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, um, all the disciples and apostles are able to talk to all these different people in all these different languages and share the gospel. It's this amazing thing where 15,000 people come to meet Jesus for the first time. Unreal. Then, this is awesome, Peter heals a lame man. And the amazing thing about this is that up until this time, Jesus was the only one that we saw healing people. He was the only you know, man that was healing people, was doing his work, and the rest of the people were just following him and watching all these things happen. And then we see that after he ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes down and his power rests on the apostles, that they are able to do the same things that God did when he was on earth. That is pretty amazing. And that leads us up to today. We're going to be hanging out in chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. I'm going to read all of them for us, and then we're going to... I'm just kidding. We're not going to read all those chapters. <laughs> just reflect as I read to you. Top was church. It was great. I napped. My kids were up at 6, so I napped. Um, but we're going to jump into chapter 6, 7, and 8. I'm just going to pull a few observations for you. We're going to be looking at the life of Stephen and... Um, we're going to pull some observations of how I think God is wanting to build his kingdom, not only in Acts, but how God wants to build his kingdom today. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for this place and for this church and for these people. God, we just pray that you would be with the Seahawks in this moment, that they would catch whatever they're throwing. Amen. For all the sports balls, God, we just thank you. Lord, we just pray that you'd be with us today. God, we just ask for your presence to be in this place. We just ask that you would... Um, encourage us and nudge us. And Lord, that we wouldn't hear anything today that is, uh, would make us feel guilty or, or like we are doing the wrong thing. That's not of you. But God, that you do constantly invite us into more. And sometimes that's difficult and sometimes that's painful. But God, we want to turn to you today. We want to become more like you so that our world will be more like you. We love you so much. We give you the time to you. Amen. All right, let's jump in together. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through 15. Here's what it says. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called. 
Jews of the Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses has handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So a few important context pieces here for you guys. The synagogue of freedom that they talk about here is a Jewish synagogue. And um, in some translations, it would be called the synagogue of libertine or the synagogue of liberty. And then the Sanhedrin were an assembly of either 23 or 71. I don't know why, but 23 or 71 rabbis appointed to sit as a tribunal in every city in the ancient land of Israel. And at first glance at the scripture, we can think that the Roman Empire or a religion that looks very different from this new move of God, this new move of Christianity is upset with the context of what they're saying. But when we look deeper at this, actually, this is just a normal case of monument Verse movement. Because really what it is, it's just a Sanhedrin saying, whoa, 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 you don't remember what Moses said? We have to go into the temple to experience God. God's with, we only get God when we're in the temple. And now you're saying that we can just experience him whenever? We can just hang out with him and at our table with our friends? No, no, no. That's not who God is. You, you can't say that about God. It was just a basic case of monument versus movement. They were uncomfortable with this new talk of follow the Holy Spirit. He's guiding us. Follow the Holy Spirit. He's going to do amazing things through you. We're going to do the same things that Jesus did. We're going to raise people from dead. We're going to heal people because the Holy Spirit is with us now. And those folks that were not okay with that, were, that's, that's uncomfortable to me. I don't want to talk about the Spirit. That sounds real hippie, heebie-jeebie to me. I just want to do the normal, go to the temple, do my routine, go home. The movement was uncomfortable. And I think if we're honest, the movement of the Holy Spirit is uncomfortable to us, right? Like if we think about it, there's like, there's like Holy Spirit churches, you know, and they're like, woo, they're kind of weird. They bring the snakes out and stuff. No? Okay. Um, yeah. Brooke says, yeah. Or, you know, there's churches that are like, we're normal. We believe in the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't move here. We just talk about him. Okay. It's like, those are the kind of things. But if we look back at the scripture in Acts, I mean, they talk about the Spirit so much. They, the Holy Spirit led every part of their life. And if, if we look back at the start of the church, I would say that the church is still the same today. We have to be a people that are following the Spirit. Because God, if we look at the scripture, God builds his kingdom through his Spirit. If God sends down Holy Spirit and then 15,000 people get saved at Pentecost, I would say, I don't know, I'm not a professional, that God uses his spirit to save people, to move. And it's funny because I think a lot of times we get caught up in all the wrong things, right? At church, we get caught up in our preferences about worship, what it should be or what it shouldn't be, more Holy Spirit, less Holy Spirit, skinnier pants, less skinny pants, I don't know. We get all caught up in these preferences about church, and I wonder this. I wonder if we spent half the amount of time with our preferences, 
and our McDonald's-style church and more time praying and asking for the Holy Spirit to move us and move our life and move our church, what a difference it would make. Not just at Rain City, but in our community. Because there would be a bunch of people that every day are waking up and asking the question, God, how would you like me to move today? God, what are the relationships that you're inviting me into today? God, what is the way that you want to use my life and use my finances and use my time to make your kingdom grow? And so we have to be okay with God builds his kingdom through his spirit. And we're going to keep pushing on this. And so if today you're like, oh, found myself at another Holy Spirit church. Here we go. That's okay. It's okay if it's uncomfortable. We are going to keep moving towards that as a church together because we believe that the new mission and vision of Rain City is that we would experience God in the everyday. And as much as we love doing this, I can't set this up at your house every morning. You know, most houses wouldn't fit it, but some in Bellevue probably would. <laughs> but we want to give you resources and groups and, and ways that you can experience God in the everyday. Because we know that if people are closer to God's heart every day, if they're closer to his spirit, that our friends and families are going to change. Because you change when you are closer to the way maker, to the life changer, God. And so we have to be okay with that today. And so a few next steps that you can, you can do today to be more tuned in and more plugged in to experiencing God in the everyday, download the app, download the app, download the app. Da- that's how I feel. I know you guys probably feel the same. But seriously, download the app. And join the reading plan. Read the scripture with us. Talk about it in your Bible studies. If you're not in a group, join a group today. Um, those are great ways that you can experience God in the everyday. Um, let's come back into scripture. Chapter 7. So um, they bring Stephen in front of the Sanhedrin. And um, the, you know, the Sanhedrin then asks Stephen if all these allegations are true. If it's true that he's been talking bad about the temple and about, um, about Moses. God forbid you talk about Brother Moses. <laughs> Moses was dead, guys. That's what I would have said. He's dead, so I don't know. Um, but so he, he goes on this huge, long response, right? So most of chapter 7 is just, is just Stephen's response to the Sanhedrin. And it's funny because they ask him a simple yes or no question, and then he talks for like 20 minutes. And it's like one of those like, oh, he's still going. Okay, we should sit down. It's going to be a while. And so after he basically tells them, you wouldn't understand anyways. You just wouldn't get it. And that made them mad. So when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. I'm just curious, has anyone had a friend or wife or husband gnash their teeth at them? Tommy. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> oh, it was rhetorical. Okay. <laughs> but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This made the Sanhedrin even more upset and the synagogue more upset. And so they took Stephen out outside of the city and they stoned him. And as they were throwing rocks at him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. This part of scripture makes me question, it makes me question, you know, what is sacrifice? 
What, what does sacrifice look like? I think sacrifice can look so foreign to us, especially me. It can look so foreign to the way that we live. We live in a, uh, everything is very quick. Um, we got Starbucks, we got McDonald's, we have DoorDash. Anybody DoorDash in here? Oh, man, I just r- ruined your life. DoorDash, they just send you any food you want from any you know, part in Bellevue. It's amazing. Um, God created DoorDash. He did. <laughs> but we live in a world where everything's fast. We get it when we want it, and you know, we can kind of build a really comfortable life. And especially in a place like Bellevue where all the affluence is, I mean, we all live very comfortable lives. And when we compare it to people that live even more comfortable lives, it can feel like we don't. But man, with the rest of the world, the lives we get to live in this part of the world is amazing. I mean, the comfortability is amazing. I remember I was, um, I was at a worship night just about a year ago, and um, this, this organization came out on stage midway through, and um, they were called World Vision. Any people know of World Vision in here? Just a few of us. So World Vision is a, is a Christian humanitarian organization. Um, it helps children, family, and communities get out of poverty. So it breaks the cycle of poverty. Um, and they do that with education. They do that with different business startups. Um, they're a really beautiful organization. And so this guy comes up. He's about my age. He comes up and he talks about just kind of, you know, how cynical he was to the whole movement of World Vision and how he kept hearing these people say, like, you can just give this much money a month and you can support a child. And he's like, yeah, but that money's probably not going towards children. I mean, come on. You got to make your bills, you know. And so he's, he says all this and he's like, but then I went and I, I gave money for six months. And I went and I, and I met the child that I had been supporting. And the child ran down the street and hugged me and thanked me because I was going to make their life different, their family's life different. He was going to create a different narrative and a different story because of your generosity. And he was like, I was wrecked. I was bawling because I was the jerk and cynical dude who was like, oh, I don't know, are these kids even real? You probably just grab this picture from Google. He's like, but I, I met them firsthand. He's like, and I want to invite you guys tonight into that. I want to invite you into being a better, being a difference for another kid across the world that you may never meet. And he says, and you can do that. It's really simple. You can support a kid and support their education and support clean water for just $30 a month. And really, that would just be a few coffees a week. And so I'm sitting here thinking, why not? That sounds awesome. Let's totally do that. Like, I can go without a few coffees a week. He stops and he says, hey, there's going to be people around the room that you can go sign up and grab a kid and, and you know, put money towards a family. I expected this huge movement in the room. No one moved. No one said anything. A few people in my row actually said, I don't know. I don't know if that speech was given very well. But that's the world we live in. That's, we live in that world of what is sacrifice even? We think sacrifice is sacrificing lattes? Like, big ask. Big ask. I don't know if I can get rid of my lattes for a week. But that's the world we live in, right? I mean, when God asked us to give things to our life, I think we just... We don't really know, like, what does sacrifice actually look like? I was thinking about this a lot this week, just what is sacrifice? And um, I remembered this part in, in my youth group. Back in 2002, I was in youth group, and I was sitting there, and we had a big, big youth group. It was about 400 kids, and we were kind of the edgy youth group. You know, we did things that most churches would have frowned upon, and um, just kind of our culture. You either loved it or you hated it. And um, I loved it there. It just felt like a cool movement that I was a part of. I had a lot of good friends. And my, our youth pastor is a very passionate guy, a um, lot of good intentions, a lot of good heart. Tactics sometimes were missing. But um, I remember one night we were sitting in youth group, and we had just done worship, and they were about to start the message. And so he's giving this whole message on like what it means to give your life to Christ. And would you give everything to God? Would you give everything to Jesus if you had to? And at that moment this gunman comes into the church. 
He's got a fully automatic weapon. He runs in the church. He holds up to my youth pastor, and he says, do you still believe in God if it means you're going to die in this moment? And so we're all freaking out. We're crying. We're hiding behind the pews, you know, and I'm like, this lime green carpet is going to be red. You know, this is bad. And all of a sudden, one of the students, because we lived in the wild, wild west, jumps up with a gun and is about to gun this gunman down. And just at that moment, thank God, a cop runs in and tells the guy to throw his hands in the air. My youth pastor then goes, don't shoot him. It's all fake. It's just a ploy. And all of us kids and leaders are like, what the what? It was all just a tactic to, to get kids at their edge of their seat and to say, would you give it all away for God? It's crazy, right? Crazy. And he did it, you know, good heart, really bad tactic. I, I told this story to Jesse and Matt a couple weeks ago, and I told it very like, like I had apple juice for lunch. You know, I just told it like that, and they just looked at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> It happens. But, you know, the, the heart behind it, you know, was just a few years before that, the, the Columbine, the famous, infamous Columbine shooting happened where the girl was asked right before she died, would you die for Jesus? And so it kind of went around churches. And it was a bad tactic. It was. But the intention's good because I think if we look at the scripture here and looking at Stephen's life, I think we can see that God builds his kingdom through sacrifice. And that makes me uncomfortable. I, it does. I think if it doesn't, we might be a little numb, right? And I think some weeks I'm good with it. I think, I think some weeks a lot of us are. I think we go through times in our life where we're like, man, I love Jesus. I'm all in on the movement. I'm all in for winning my friends and my family, and I'm going to go to Africa, and I'm going to get clean water. I'm going to do it all. And if someone kills me for it, then I'm going to go to heaven and celebrate with Jesus in my mansion, you know? And then there's some weeks where we're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel it right now. And I think that's okay. But I think that God is asking more of us to live sacrificial lives. And what I'm not going to tell you today is, hey, everyone, before we leave today, just be good. We're going to ask you, would you die for Jesus? Thumbs up, thumbs down, and then, you know, we'll see you next week. I, I think that's a goal, right? I think we all got to get there. I think if we don't think that we need to get there, we're, we're kidding ourselves because we do. If we look at the scriptures, I think that's what God is calling us to, not to, not to sacrifice our lives, but to be willing to for the sake of the gospel. But I think a good start would be that we would sacrifice parts of our life. We would start small. Because there's a lot of amazing folks in this room. I mean, this is the most beautiful, sacrificial church that I've ever been part of. I mean, there is literally guys that spend hours every week working on this experience, and they don't get paid. And there are people's lives that are forever changed in different parts of the world that we're never going to meet because of your generosity. And you hear it every week, right? And so I think sometimes it's easy for us to go, wow, it's, it's amazing to be present. It's such an amazing thing. But we're not okay with just being where we are right now. We need more people to sacrifice more parts of their life for the movement of Jesus. Not for Rain City's sake. We don't really care about Rain City's sake. But we do care about the kingdom. And we feel like God wants to give us a big hand in building the kingdom here in Bellevue. But what does that take? It takes more people living sacrificially. It takes more people giving time and money and resources. So if today you're like, oh, I don't know if I can get on board with like maybe giving my life away at some point, but maybe today you can say, you know what? I'm going to give my finances away more today. 
Or I'm going to give more of my time. I'm going to join the youth team. I'm going to be a part of kids knowing Jesus. And this is the thing about sacrifices. Right now you're thinking, well, I just don't have a lot of time. Sacrifice means you make time. I don't know if I have enough money. Sacrifice means you give money away and pray that God has it handled. Sacrifice does not mean we wait for comfort in order to move with God. Sacrifice means we sacrifice comfort to move with God. And so we have to start being okay with this. God builds his kingdom through sacrifice. Band, you guys can come up with us. In Acts chapter 8, it says this. On that great day, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered and preached, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. In Acts chapter 1, just a few before, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If we look at Scripture we can see that God builds his kingdom through pain and sacrifice. God builds his kingdom through suffering. Look at the life of Stephen. God used the life of Stephen to further his gospel. He used his suffering and his sacrifice to move the gospel forward because it wasn't until after that that we see the gospel go into all the places that Jesus had proclaimed it would before he ascended into heaven. Stephen got that. Stephen understood. The early church people understood that it's going to take sacrifice. My whole life is going to be on the line, but it's worth it. You see all these people being torn out of their homes. I'm sure they were meeting in groups, and they were praying for each other, and they were eating with one another, and they were being pulled from their homes for the sake of the gospel. The people in Acts understood that building God's kingdom would take sacrifice. It would take suffering. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says this, Then he said to them all, he being Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Stephen learned from the best because Jesus came down God came down in the form of a man, Jesus, and saw us in our pain and our brokenness and our sin that separated us from him. And he died on the cross for every one of us so that even today you could know the good news of the gospel. That even today you could turn from life of comfort in a church based on a monument to a life of sacrifice and being part of a movement that's so much bigger than you. Jesus showed us that to move the gospel forward with his life, that it's going to take sacrifice. And it's going to take uncomfortability. My question for you today is that, are you ready to be uncomfortable? Or do you want a church that's just about your preferences and what feels okay to you? Or are you okay to put your preferences down today? And be okay with being uncomfortable for the sake of the movement of the gospel. 
Are you okay today stepping into sacrifice and parts of your life so that the gospel can move forward today? Because we are God's plan A. In the city, in our world, it needs it. Because the monument is empty, but the movement is full of people that are following the lead of the Spirit and are giving everything away so that their neighbors and their families and people they never meet would know the love and the life-changing news of Jesus. And I pray that today, every one of us would take a step towards that. It's the least we can do. And God loves us enough that he would invite us into that today. So I encourage you to do that. Would you close your eyes with me? There's a few of you in this, in this room today that um, maybe didn't know the love of God and didn't know the goodness of who he is and his grace and that he is inviting you into a relationship with him, inviting you into a movement with him. And a first great step in all of this, of joining the movement and changing your life for the better, making the best decision of your life for following Jesus is just giving your life to Christ. And if that's you today, or if you want to re-give your life to Christ because it's been a long time, all you have to say is, Jesus, I give you my life. And today, I start a conversation with you that lasts a long time, lifetime. Now, it doesn't mean you have all the answers. It doesn't mean you believe everything in the scripture. It doesn't mean that church means it's awesome now. It just means that, God, I give you my life. I know that you love me, and we're going to figure the rest out. And then for those of us in this room that have given our lives to Christ, I would just encourage you to, if you haven't already, be baptized. We have baptisms coming up, and I would just love to baptize you for you to make that life statement of, I follow Jesus with my life. And then for those of us in the room today that felt that nudge of, this is where I'm calling, hearing God just say, this is where I'm calling you into live more sacrificially. These are the places. I just pray that you would answer that nudge today, that you would step into living a life more of sacrifice and uncomfortability for the sake of the movement, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. God, would you move in our hearts today? Would you be with us? We just are so grateful for this place, for this beautiful community that you continue to use to build your kingdom all over the world and that we get to be a part of it. I pray that more people today would say yes to the movement. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information and resources, go to raincitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.